Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Psalms 23. As I read Psalms 23, don't let it be familiar. Here's the danger of preaching Psalms 23 or John 3.16. We think we've heard everything about it. Somebody give me a witness right there. We think, why is he in Psalms 23? Well, just stay with us a little while. Maybe we can learn. Psalms 23 says this. I will declare thy name. That's Psalms 22. Let me get to Psalms 23. <laughs> Tell me, hey, I, there was a preacher not long ago. I'm not going to call his name, but everybody in this room knows him. He stood in this pulpit and preached numerous times. We've preached all over this country together. And he got mixed up in his iPad the other night. That's the reason I always have my Bible and read the scripture out of my Bible. He got mixed up in his iPad the other night and read out of a different version and preached out of a different version the entire time at a church not far from here. And uh, um, that's a mess. And he was in another man's church. And whenever he realized what he'd done, he went running back in there apologizing. And, and i just be real honest, I'd have shut him down. After the second verse, I'd have said, time out. Hold on a minute, Hoss. You've got something mixed up. We in different Bibles right here. Uh, you say, would you do As sure as I'm standing, y'all, I don't even have to tell y'all I'd have done that. Y'all know I'd have done that. Uh, but anyway, Psalms 23 verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with awe. Boy, that's interesting right there. Um, sheep get mad at each other and fight. And, and you know what I found out? This is later on, but I'm going to give you this in them passing. They'd take that oil and pour it on them sheep's heads. And whenever they did, they couldn't fight no more. They couldn't fight no more. They, no, they couldn't hit their heads no more because the oil was applied. You get a good dose of the Holy Ghost, you'll not fight with your brother no more. Anyway, that's, let's move on. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said, uh, my cup runneth over. Um, they was rock shooed out. And, 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 and this is later on, but I'm going to throw it out in case the Lord don't let me get down there. Here's one thing, Brother Ryan, you may have found this out when you were studying on it, but here's one thing that I found out. They would turn that water into those watering troughs. And what it would do is that water would run in there and it would run over. And he'd get all the trash and all the mess and, and, and all the moss and the mold out of that and make it pure for the sheep to drink out of. You know what the Word of God will do when it gets to running through your life? 
it'll clean you up real good. Amen. Father, I love you. And you really are good to us and we really don't deserve it. God, I pray, Lord, as we look at this tonight, God, that we wouldn't just, uh, Father, think about Psalms 23 and how familiar it is to us. But God, may we learn from it. God, may we open our hearts and may we open our minds. And Father, may we listen that way tonight and learn something out of this. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here lost, that you'll save them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Look with me in verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. On Sunday night, I said a little bit about that Lord right there, the Lord that Yahweh is the, the Hebrew word for it, the I am. And, and, and I talked about that um, on, uh, on Sunday night, just a little bit bootlegging. So I'm really not going to jump back into that. that. That Lord right there is anything you need. Amen. But he says this, the Lord is, now I find this interesting, my shepherd. I like the personal pronouns that is used in Psalms 23. Matter of fact, if you'll read Psalms 23 and take the personal pronouns out, and put your name in those personal pronouns, it will give you a new look into Psalms 23. Uh, matter of fact, the very first time that I ever saw it that way and ever looked at it that way, I'm about 98% sure on this, was at Brother R.C. Hawks' funeral. And uh, I read it to Miss Christie that way at Brother R.C. Hawks' funeral, which was her dad. The Lord is Jonathan Shepherd, Jonathan shall not want. He maketh Jonathan to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth Jonathan beside the still waters. You see how personal Psalms 23 becomes when we read it that way. 99% uh, of the time I use a blue pen and that's all I use inside my Bible. But if I'm underlining something in a chapter that is repetitive, uh, I always underline it in green. If I see a green mark in my Bible, I know that's going to be repetitive. So all throughout Psalms 23, there's little green marks of the personal pronouns. Now here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in one phrase of verse number one tonight, and here's the phrase. I shall not want. I shall not want. Boy, that's big. That's real big. Now, before you say that's not big, let's talk about, let's just take a minute and talk about everything you've talked about this week that you want. Somebody give me a witness. Now, don't die on me. Help me right here now. He says, I shall not want. Let me read you something. Come with me to the most populated prison in the world. The facility has more inmates than bunks more prisoners than plates, more residents than resources. Come with me to the world's most impressive prison. Just ask the inmate, they will tell you. They are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare and bunks are hard. No prison is so populated, no prison so oppressive. And what's more, no prison so permanent. Most intimate neighbors leave. They never escape. They never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded, under-pre-provisioned facility. The name of the prison, you'll see it over the you'll see it over the door as you come in. Rainbowed over the gate, 
four cast iron letters that spell out one simple word, want. W-A-N-T. How many people are in the prison of want? I, oh, I, 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 and, and here's what we do so many times, Brother Ryan. We don't call it the prison of want. We call it the prison of need. Oh, I need this. Is anybody awake tonight? I, I need this, Brother Andy. I, I need this. I, 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 I need this. And, and, and I need this. And, and I need this. It's the prison of want. The prison of want you've seen are prisoners. They are in want. They want something. They want something bigger. Something nicer. Something faster. They want to be thinner. They just want. They don't want much mind Mind you, but they just want one thing. One new job, one new car, one new house, one new spouse. They don't want much, they just want one. And when they have one, they will be happy. And they are right, they will be happy. When they have one, they will leave the prison. But then it happens. The new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The neighbors buy a larger television. The new spouse has bad breath. The sizzle fizzles, and before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and returns to the jail of want. Can I get a witness tonight? I didn't figure I would. When one of the wealthiest men in history, John D. Rockefeller, died. His accounting was asked this question. How much did John D. leave? The accountant replied this. All of it. All of it. David has found the pasture where discontent goes to die. It is as if he is saying, what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in this world. Can I say this again? What I have in God is greater than what I don't have in this world. David didn't say anything about this world. He just simply says, the Lord, Jehovah, the great I am, the Lord is my shepherd. And since the Lord is my shepherd, the great I am is my shepherd, well then, I really don't want for nothing. I thought about this, this right here. All the things you have is not you. The clothes you wear, the pocketbook you carry, the house you live in, the car you drive, the toys you want, that is not you. Who you are is not defined by what you have. Are you hearing me tonight? Why do you... <laughs> okay, it's already quiet, so I'm just going to go ahead and, 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 and murder it right here. Why... Why do you think that you need a new pocketbook that's a certain name? Why do you think that you need a new golf club that's a certain name? Why do we think that whenever we buy shoes that they have to be a certain type? Everybody all right up in the church house tonight. 
Here's the reason why we're in the prison of want. And we think, well, if I drive this kind of vehicle, then everybody will think that I have something that I really don't have because the bank owes so much on it because I've got myself upside down trying to please my want so many times. Anybody listening in church tonight? They're in the prison of want. They're in the prison of want. What happens is this. They think who they are is defined by what they have. But who we are is not defined by what we have. Listen to what Luke said in chapter 12 verse 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. If I just had this, I would be happy. Uh, then you get that, but if I just had this, I'd be happy. And if I just had this, you know what's happening? We're living in the prison of want. We're living in the prison of want. Contentment comes when we reach the place where Paul did. Paul said this in Philippians 4. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and that means practically to lose everything, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And that's where we quit reading them verses so many times. But the next verse says this, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You may tell you the reason that Paul came to a place where he could say I have found in whatever state I'm in therewith to be content because he knew with Christ he could do everything. Here's the problem. You're trying to get out of the prison of want by buying this and buying that and doing this and doing that and you'll never get out of the prison of want that way. The only way you'll ever get out of the prison of want is this, the Lord is my shepherd. And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Want tonight. If I just had a little bit more. If I had just a little bit more. If I had, oh if it was just, but Tim if I had this I'd be happy. If I had that, I'd be happy. Can I just say this to you? You'll never be happy because here's the reason why. You're measuring your happiness in what you have in earthly, in earthly vessels. Things will never make you happy. Things will never. Let me tell you the reason why. The smell of the car will go away. Let me tell you the reason why. Because there will be something else that comes out. And you'll think, man, if I just had that, can I illustrate it? I love to fish. Did I mention that? I love to fish. I don't fish much anymore. I did a little bit this week. Man, I had a good time. And, and, and I love it, Brother Mac. I really do. And, and I hope, and I, 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 and I mean what I'm fixing to say right here, and I'm not going to go into the depths of all that. I hope the Lord lets me have another bass boat one day. But Brother Tim, I remember back there when I was bass fishing, man, and I loved it. I loved it. And here's what I remember. I bought that boat from Strick, the one that Brent's got now. When I bought that boat, man, it was it. Everything I needed. I went to the lake the first time or two, fished off of it, huge front deck. Man, you could flip off the front of it. It was great. 
But here's what I found out. He wouldn't run but about 53 or 54 mile an hour. And here's what I said to myself. I said, self, if you could run about 61 or 62 mile an hour, you'd be a whole lot happier. So you know what I found myself doing? I found myself beginning to look at other boats with bigger motors. Wasn't no longer, wasn't no wider. It'd just go faster. Had a bunch of fishing rods, but here's what I found out. I found out that I thought that if you used ducket rods, you'd catch more fish. So you know what I done? I practically gave away the rods that I had, Brother Randy, and I went and bought a bunch of ducket rods. Still got them today. Matter of fact, I took them fishing this week, and Victoria was standing there around one of them, and I said, please be careful. I don't have but about $325 in that one rod and reel. And the one laying beside of it, there was $100, would catch fish just as good as that one would. But I thought if I had... Now, y'all can holler amen because I'm talking about me, and I guess the reason you ain't hollering amen is because you're getting under conviction while I'm talking. I thought if I had that ducket rod uh, that I could catch more fish, so I got that ducket rod. And then you know what? I had a six-inch Lawrence graft, but if I had a nine-inch or a seven-inch or an eight-inch, I could see the graft better. I could see more fish. And now that I had these rods, I'd catch more fish. So you know what I found myself doing? Practically giving the one away that was on the boat and buying another one. And then before long, I decided it was time to upgrade boats because that wasn't fast enough. So you know what I done? I sold that and just a few days later, I found another and I bought it and I thought, this is it. This is everything I need. It runs 62 mile an hour. Man, it's great. You know what happened? Brother Josh Jenkins fished with me a lot during that time. He got in it and we started up the lake and it wouldn't run but 59 mile an hour. And here's exactly what I thought. It's got a 150. I'm going to find a 175 because if I put a 175 on it, it's rated for a 175. I'll be able to go faster and it'll make me happier. Everybody all right tonight? Won't. And we find ourselves living in the prison of want. I remember Leslie and I, I'm headed somewhere. I remember Leslie and I got into missions. And uh, we got into missions and, and, and the first three years, or the first two years, I guess I traveled, two or three years I traveled by myself. And then after we had Victoria, no, Olivia, no, Madeline, <laughs> I'll get it right in a minute. After we had Madeline, we decided we was going to travel together. Went to Florida the first time with her and um, ended up, we was going to stay in this super nice house, had a super nice swimming pool. Went in there and laid the clothes down on the bed. Went back out to get some more. I walked back in and whenever I went to lay the other clothes down on the bed, I seen these little things hopping everywhere. To make a long story short, it was flea infested. So we ended up going to get a motel room and I told Leslie, I said, if we're going to travel uh, and especially back then there was a lot of guys that traveled with Rock of Ages that had campers. I said, if we're going to travel and she's going to travel with us, we're going to know which bed we're going to lay in every night. So we bought our first fifth wheel. It was a 30 foot fifth wheel. It didn't have no slides on it. And uh, man, we hit the road wide open. I pulled that thing all over the country. And um, um, didn't have no trouble with it, but um, uh, Brother Lance Owen Street came in and he had one a little bit bigger. So you know what I thought we needed a bigger one. And in all honesty, we could justify it because we were staying probably about 40 weeks a year in it. And we practically lived in it and we did, they get small. <laughs> 
So you know what we done? We went and we looked around. We prayed about it, had peace about it. We sold the one that we had, got in out of it what we had in it, or we traded it in, got another, and it was a 34-foot, had super slides on it, oak cabinets in it. Brother Charlie, it had an oak kitchen table in it, man. It was super nice. It really was. It wasn't long after that, Brother Lance Owen Street came in with another, and it was 40 foot long with three slides on it. You know what I thought, Brother Brian? If I had that, we sure would be a whole lot more comfortable traveling. Won't. How many people here tonight, and I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm preaching, okay? I'm just delivering the mail. How many people here tonight has found themselves financially in a mess that it'll probably take them half of the rest of their life to ever get out of because you're living in the prison of want. If I just had this job, I'd be happy. If I could just do this, I'd be happy. If I could just do that, I'd be happy. If I could, I find myself right here a lot of times, Brother Dakota, if I could preach, if I could preach about two meetings a month, then I'd be happy. Where does our happiness come from? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. You see, we will never please ourselves if we try to bring happiness and joy and contentment ourselves. And if we try to get things to bring that to us, we will live the rest of our life in a prison. Me and Brother Aaron was talking not long ago. We was talking about jobs. Aaron works for EMS, works 24 hours on, 72 hours off. I personally, I think it's a great schedule. And he said, I like it too. And we were talking about some of the people that Miss Vicky had left in years gone by and talked about how bad it was. And I looked at Brother Aaron and here's exactly what I told him. It don't matter where you go, you're going to find something that you don't like about it and you're not going to be happy about it. So just stick with it, buddy. Won't. Won't. Some people, they... Please don't get mad. Some young people, they go to college for 42 years and never master nothing. Some people's 20 years old and had 37 and a half jobs and has mastered nothing. Why? Because they're living in want. We was coming down the road the other day, and I'm going to give you something right here. We're going to go home. We was going down the road the other day. And I know I said this the other day, but we was going down the road, and there's two old men sitting underneath a big oak tree and bibbed overhauls, both of them, with flat bill hats on. It probably said red man on it. Both of them looked like had a pocket knife out, Brother Matt Whitland. And one of them had parked halfway in the road towards oncoming traffic. And you know what? As I drove by, I looked out there at them old men and just envied them. You know what they had found? They had found contentment. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Can I just tell you something tonight? That new car is not going to make it better. That new job is not going to fix everything. How could David say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? How could David say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? The reason David could say that is because to study Psalms 23, you've got to study Psalms 22. You see, Psalms 22 is the good shepherd dying 
for the sheep. Psalms 22 is known as the crucifixion psalm. Go with me to Psalms 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, when he says, my God, my God, he shows Christ of faith still in God because he is saying to him, he is my God. He's not approaching him as father anymore. He is approaching him as an eternal God. And can I just say this to you tonight? An earthly father will never be able to completely satisfy you, but an eternal God can tonight. He goes on to say in verse number two, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. You know what he's saying? He's saying day and night I cry out. I'm begging God. Now watch this. He says this in verse number three, but thou art holy. Why was God not hearing him? Why did God turn his back on him when he was on the cross? Isn't it interesting that thousands of years prior to Jesus dying on the cross, David is saying what Jesus will say on the cross one day. Why did Jesus say that? Here's the reason why in verse number three. But thou art holy. He knew that God was holy and the day would come because this is inspired by God. Psalms 22. Can I get an amen right there? He knew the day would come that within himself and within his flesh he would not be able to touch the throne room because God was holy and sin would be placed upon him. Look what he said in verse 11. Be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help. I look in verse number 19. He said this, but be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. I thought about this. I thought about this in verse 14. He says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bones. Balls. He says in verse number 15, my strength is dried up like a pot shred. Matter of fact, study that pot shred right there. It's only mentioned four times in your Bible. One of them's in Job, and Job is worshiping God. He says, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. He says in verse number 17, he said in verse 16, they pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. He is telling us of Calvary. In the first 21 verses, he talks about Calvary, how he has poured out everything that has happened to him. But in verse number 22, he changes and begins to praise God in verse number 22. Watch this. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? 
in the midst of Calvary, in the midst of the Calvary Psalm, in the midst of him saying, my bones are staring at me, in the midst of him saying that my tongue has cleaved to my jaw, here's what he's saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation, will I praise thee. He begins to break out in a praise to God. You see, Jesus himself is realizing that in this world there will be want. In this world, sin is what brings that want in us. Amen right there. And here's what he is saying. I understand in this world I'll find want, but he begins to praise God. Oh yeah, he begins to praise God. Watch this. There's the commitment for praise. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Look in verse number 23. There's the call to give praise. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. Look in verse number 24. There is the cause for the praise. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. He gives us the cause for praising God because in the midst of our need, we cried unto him and he heard us. I don't know about anybody else tonight, but that causes me to praise the Lord when I realize that in my time of need and in my time of despair and in my time of sorrow that I cried to him and he heard me. Watch this, the congregation for the praise in verse 25. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. Look at the compensation for the praise. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Look in the latter portion of verse 26. Your heart shall live forever. Verse number 27 talks about the conversation up for uh, the conversation from the praise. He said all the ends of the earth, uh, ends of the world uh, shall remember and turn unto the Lord uh, and all the kindreds uh, of the nation shall worship before the Lord. The conversation from the praise. Here it is. He said all the world uh, will praise the Lord. I couldn't help but to think about this right here. He said in Philippians 2 that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that's hell and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, every knee will bow to God and worship him what about this, the crown for praise he said in verse 28 for the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. Watch this, the crowd in the praise. In verse number 29, all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. Watch this in verse number 30 and 31, the continuation of praise. He said this, 
a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto people that shall be born. Now look at this. That he hath done this. That he hath done this. Cross reference that with John 19.30 when he said this. It is finished. Psalms 22 is showing us that Jesus died on a cross of Calvary and because of that we should lift an unworthy hand to him and praise him for what he has done. Look what he said. That he hath done this. He hath done what? He took your sin death. He took it to Calvary. He took your death. He took your hell. He took the sting. Out of death for you. He died so you could live. He became unrighteous so you could be righteous. He left the Father so you could have access to the Father. He hath done this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, when you see what he has done, how he suffered, how he bled, how he died, that's the reason we can stand tonight and say, I don't have to want for anything in this world cause this world is not my home I'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blues that's the reason David said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want treason David's not living in the prison house of want tonight cause he hath done this he hath done this. <laughs> oh, yes. He hath done this. It's not that he's going to. He hath. He already has. It's finished. That day on Calvary, he said, Teleestai, or to Telestai. Depends on who you listen to, how they pronounce it. Teleestai is the way that Brother Bob Darty always pronounced it. Teleestai. Teleesta. You know what it meant? Man, it's finished. Here's one of the, 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 there was numerous meanings for that word. But here was one of them, Brother Aaron. Whenever there was a battle that broke out between two nations, the one that won would go find the highest ranking officer of the other side. He would bring them back and they would have a parade in his hometown. And everybody, of course, would be there to watch it. And here's what the historians tell us, that they would bring that high-stranking officer from the defeated army or the defeated nation in, and they would put him down in what we would know as the courthouse square. And then the highest-ranking officer of the winning army would go over to him, and he would place his foot upon his head from what I could read. And he would scream out this, Teleesta, 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 Teleesta. And it would ring throughout the city walls and throughout the streets of the city. And here's what it meant. The battle is over and victory has been won. The reason I can say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is because one day he died and he entered into hell and he got the keys to death 
hell and the grave and he walked back into heaven and he said, Teleasta, 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 the battle's over, victory's been won. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's why I don't have to want. So I just wanted to say tonight, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want.